I'm the number one citizen of this town, Price, and this town is the county. I reckon you know some of the problems you're liable to run into. I was born in this town, Mayor. When you hit a wall you think you can't climb over, dig under or go through, you come to me. Don't go picking up that phone to call Washington or the NAACP. If you hit a snag, come to me with it first. Might be I can get it unsnagged for you. What if you can't, Mayor? How's that? Suppose I have a problem and you can't help me solve it. Well, all I'm asking you to do is give me a chance to try. Is that asking too much? You weren't asking, Mayor. You were telling. Well, hell, I'm used to telling. I ain't used to asking. Shut up, Jim. The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 154, and I am your host, Lee. You can't leave me. I'm the exalted Cyclops, Russell. And I am. <laughs> is, it, is that a reference to your penis? That's that's what I imagine. Yeah. It, it, it is going forward. Oh, okay. Uh, after awesome. watching that movie, it is going yeah, yeah. forward. Yeah, no, no. Meet the exalted Cyclops. I always thought the Cyclops would be a lot bigger. Well, that's what they all say. Uh, and I'm joined by. <laughs> I am, I am going to make sure to wrap it in a robe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joined by my co-host Daniel. Scratching, chewing, not doing much to speak of. Harper, how you doing, sir? Similarly, yeah. Right on. Uh so we're doing some they're not quite black exploitation. They're kind of like proto black exploitation films, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I think the first one, I mean, it, it is kind of exploitation just maybe a little bit early for for, you know, the, the mm-hmm. kind of the genre. And the second is is a little bit more in the heat of the night, you know, yeah. but you know, with a, with a, with a more of a, a little bit, a little bit more of a kind of an action movie uh, verve than, uh, you know, so, but uh, they, they fit, they fit comfortably in the, uh, you know, in the era and the kind of content anyway. So, right. So uh, we're going to be covering the original black Klansman, which um, the, the modern black Klansman is much of a remake of this one as Django Unchained was a remake of the original Django. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, and the, the events that uh, supposedly the events that are depicted in mm-hmm. the 2018 black Klansman hadn't even occurred at the time that this film was released. You know, this mm-hmm. is, this is, you know, a black guy infiltrates the clan, you know, yep. and it has nothing to do with, you know, any of that other story. Um, and uh, stories of people infiltrating the clan have been, you know, kind of big going back to, I mean, the 30s, honestly, you know, so. Yeah. And we're also going to be um, looking at Tick, Tick, Tick. Uh, the stylized <laughs> title for this, I think, kind of hurts the film in, in a lot of ways, but we'll, we'll get into it. it. Makes it very difficult to Google. It's yeah. very difficult to, uh, to to find any information on, to find it in the Amazon listings, you know, because everything just comes up with the Tick. Uh, unfortunately, there's a, a super popular kind of cult TV series and a super popular cult TV uh, animated series that go by the Tick. 
And, yeah. Uh, you know. So we do have quite a few comments here, so uh, I'll get through them as quickly as possible. We have some more YouTube comments. We've been getting a lot of them lately. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Uh, it's been a lot more than usual. On our Deathline episode, mm-hmm. someone called Uncle A-Land says, I thought it was going to be the movie instead of just two hipster boars talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Two Hipster Boars is our new uh, podcast subtitle. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think either one of us are hipsters. Although I do, I do think we're boars. I, I mean, Maybe. I think that's true. But Hip, hipsters definitely not. And uh, my only com- my only response to this was, I can't help that he's too stupid to realize that it wasn't a podcast because uh, that episode is one hour and two minutes. So unless he was planning on seeing like a super sped up version of Deathline. Uh, I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. And in the first 30 seconds of the uh, podcast, and he'd have to have listened a little bit in to actually get the two hipster boars talking. It clearly says it's a podcast about yeah, movies. No, I don't, so, I mean, whatever. congratulations. You're no dumber and no smarter than everyone else on YouTube that I've seen pretty much. So there you go. Someone called Mike Robinson commented on our Lodger Hangover Square, and he said Laird Krieger was the man. Great movie. And I agree yeah. on both accounts. Wow, look at that. An actual mm-hmm. comment. Mm-hmm. Agreed, sir. YouTube is not a complete cesspool of nonsense. Exactly. I take back my previous comment. <laughs> my, my faith in YouTube uh, commenters has been restored. It's the one decent YouTube commenter, yeah. <laughs> and we have one on our Alienation episode from someone called Fiverr's Revenge. And he says, please, am I being out of line by suggesting a timestamp as to when the subject of the show begins? And I replied, no. And in further uh, episodes I post, I will begin providing a timestamp so they can get past the hipster bores talking about their boring lives and uh, <laughs> get right to the fucking movie, I guess. So yeah, so that, that was nice. So like, like there's a positive comment, then there was a constructive criticism. I'm shocked, quite frankly, that yeah, I, I know two, like, two comments wow, look like at that. that. Two decent constructive comments on YouTube in a, in a week. Mm-hmm. That's astonishing. Yep. Um, uh, I've, I've put the gun back into the drawer. I'm not going to uh, not going to kill myself now. It's just <laughs> next to oh, the good. next to the silver star, you know, where mm, you're yep. going to deputize somebody to help you out to <laughs> take care of the YouTube commenters. Is that the, uh, is that the <laughs> unfortunately? It's only hipster boars that are applying for for deputy. Oh, well. <laughs> I want to go across the YouTube lines and get like a real fucking asshole as a deputy. I guess is is what I, is what I'm looking to do. <laughs> well, we, we got all these assholes from Vimeo coming over. <laughs> <laughs> on our Facebook group, they must be destroyed on site on Facebook. Jay Deering pipes in and says, this is not a black exploitation film, but was wondering if you guys had ever checked out Goodbye Uncle Tom from 1971. He says that Black Klansman pick reminded me of it. It's a dramatization of the slave trade, but it's done did seriously in a documentary style. It is one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Here's a synopsis. And Jay Deering has a taste in really exploitive, nasty stuff, I've come to realize, just based on some of the movies he's asked us to cover. But he says, Italian filmmakers travel back in time. So it's not only uh, (laughs) an exploitation film about race relationships and slavery, but it's also a time travel film. Italian filmmakers travel back in time to make a scathing documentary about slavery in the American South with underage rape, 
teeth knocked out to force feed, mass enemas, massacres of both blacks and whites, bizarre comedy routines, and characters speaking lines from actual pro-slavery texts of the 1800s. This experiment from the makers of Mondo Cain is a baffling mix of tasteless Mm. exploitation and biting satire. Wow. And he finishes off by saying, I dig films that are challenging and make you feel like you've been punched in the nuts. This definitely checks those boxes. It sounds like it. <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen that one. Uh, so uh, I don't know. We, maybe we can maybe. Look, look yeah, into maybe. It. I don't know if he was requesting it, but maybe we we might give it a shot. Um, where did I put my bottle opener? God damn it. <laughs> This is this is great fucking audio right here. Yeah, showing contempt for the audience, contempt for the commenters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that sounds interesting. I'd actually probably be willing to check it out as long as there's no like animals being murdered on screen. <laughs> this was sort of the norm in this period. But you know, uh, that's Italian filmmaking for you back then. Those stupid Italians. Those fucking spaghetti eating assholes. Um, I don't know. jeff williams uh, says i've watched the black Klansman several times and thought it does feature some shocking brutality it did seem to miss a lot of the exploitation and thematic opportunities owing to budgetary and censorship constraints had the film been produced in the early 70s instead of the mid 60s it probably would have been much more in your face and packed a stronger punch overall and i kind of agree with that but at the same time i'm kind of familiar with this director's output and i'm kind of thinking maybe not (laughs) (laughs) he also says also a question for you guys what is your favorite racial injustice film of the 60s or 70s and uh, i'll let you answer first dan todd god i don't i'd have to i mean in the heat of the night's kind of an obvious yeah in the heat of the night's kind of an obvious one i'm trying to pick one that isn't that Honestly, yeah, I don't know. Do you have one? I, I I might need to think on it in a minute. You know, I had a little, I had to look a little short list here. I, I don't know if I can like sure. I, in heat of the night is on it. Um, yeah, 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 I was trying to think out of the box too a little bit. I was trying to think it can't all just be black and white racial issues. You know, maybe go into something else. But I mean, one of these movies, which is strangely enough, it feels like it's a parody of one of the movies we're doing tonight, Blazing Saddles. I think <laughs> yeah. kind of fits. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely had blazing saddle, saddles feels during during tick tick tick. So Yeah. Another one I was thinking of, even though it's not necessarily in the forefront, I'd say Aguirre, the Wrath of God definitely has oh, a yeah. strong racial issue to it. Oh, definite, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's a Russ Meyer film that he did after he did his two studio films called Black Snake, which was his attempt at black exploitation. And it's essentially like a really trashy version of Mandingo. mandingo but trashier yeah (laughs) well mandingo like quentin tarantino is correct in in saying mandingo is basically like a super big budget exploitation film yeah yeah um but black that is is a fascinatingly awful movie (laughs) mandingo like it is it is like i get what they're going for there it it, i that is a really fucked up movie in, in terms of what they're doing and then what they managed to achieve and what they really should not have achieved (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah black snake is one i'd mentioned and that that's just a really trashy movie like it it doesn't take its race relations stuff serious at all i'd even say and this is a bit of a outlier i guess like this one's a little bit iffy but um planet of the apes 
Plenty, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a complicated one, you know, in, in a lot of ways. But you know, because that's ultimately, you know, you can read that as a, you know, oh my God, the the Africans, you know, the, the simian beasts took over, yeah. and you know, they they ended up being, you know, in charge of taking down the white man. You know, it's kind of a <laughs> fear of a black planet kind of thing. So you know, yeah. that's a. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, that's another complicated one. I mean, like almost every film from these from this era has like some, you know, like racial inequality element to right. it. But that's just the tenor of the times. I mean, Night of the Living Dead fits into that, mm-hmm. you know, perfectly well. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not uh, kind of thinking of one off the top of my head that that really like like you know hits me as like oh that's definitely the best one because there's just yeah. so much great stuff from this era anything black exploitation is gonna kind of fit into black that exploitation and... yeah there's yeah i mean there's some pretty good obvious choices of black exploitation too uh one i would mention mention that even though it's a film from 1982 it definitely feels like a film from the 70s and that would be samuel fuller's white dog which is, i don't know that one that is a movie about um a black dog trainer who is tasked with trying to deprogram a dog from attacking black people because it was trained to attack black people. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's something I got to say. It's something. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that film a lot. Yeah. There we go. That's our questions. Uh, So thank you very much guys. And uh, we can move on to what we've watched in the last little while. And uh, I'll let you go first, Daniel. Sure. I I just have a little quick one Um, just because I did uh, Zodiac was on, uh, uh, Netflix, and so I kind of put up, put on a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, everything that I said about the film in the like three podcasts we did about <laughs> the Zodiac Killer, because <laughs> we did this one, I did the, uh, the the one with Jack, and then uh, you know we covered the Zodiac Killer on um, BBNBC on BBNBC. Yeah. You know, rest in peace, BBNBC, RIP. Yeah. You know, but but uh, he's coming back so he's uh, coming back and we'll see what happens to those archives hopefully those mm-hmm. end up somewhere pretty much everything i said i really agree with only more so i'm i'm kind of and i'm going to make a recommendation here i mean if you're listening to this podcast then there's another podcast that i could recommend to you mm-hmm. um the uh second season of the atlanta monster is monster the zodiac killer this is a like professionally produced podcast from somebody who's an actual journalist who's going and digging up uh, some stuff from the Zodiac case and has interviewed a bunch of the people like Mac- Michael Butterfield, who runs one of the big Zodiac sites and that sort of thing, but has also managed to dig up some original archival documentary stuff from the era. Like apparently there's footage of one of the crime scenes that he discovered this year or last year yeah. when he was, you know, working on uh, putting this podcast together. It's like it's supposed to be a 15 episode series and he's about halfway through it. And uh, it's really quite good if you if you want to know the story of the Zodiac Killer and kind of told in kind of doing the opposite of what Fincher does. Where what Fincher does yeah. is kind of tell the crimes and basically just let's just pretend Graysmith do everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just pretend Graysmith was right. This is really much more about trying to tell the social story, like what's going on around the killings and how it affected people and how it affected the larger culture while not really moving too far away from kind of the crimes themselves. He interviews a bunch of people who are like experts on serial killers and experts on, you know, that kind of sociopathy and, you know, kind of has like conversations about that. It's, it's really, really well produced. I usually don't like to recommend any podcast with ads mm-hmm. uh, just because I hate ads and podcasts. I hate commercially produced. I mean, most of the stuff I listen to is like just, you know, people like us just sitting and bullshitting. So podcast has to be really, really good if it's got ads for me to recommend it. And this one I would definitely recommend. So check it out. And something else I definitely recommend. Blue Chew. Get it now. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, that sounds interesting. We'll we'll link it because true crime is pretty big now, and true crime is gigantic. Serial just blew up the whole like concept of you know. Oh yeah, we're just gonna do true crime podcasts constantly. And I mean, they they just caught the uh, the Eurons guy after so many years. That that guy who was like a serial rapist. That they, mm. yeah, uh, I'm I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Eurons, I can't even remember. East something rapist <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i don't know i i can't remember but the, but they just caught that guy so i mean you can see where the, like the renewed interest in like the zodiac comes into play even yeah, though yeah. it's like there's no chance that that guy's still alive <laughs> right right you know no i mean i i don't think they'll ever you know actually be able to give a definitive answer there was another podcast that mike murphy recommended where they went through a bunch of the possible you know, suspects and kind of tried to narrow it down and gave like kind of pros and cons for each. And there were some really compelling names on that list. But I mean, one of them was like 17 years old when the, when the killing started, but but he also seemed like really, really good for it in a lot of like really (laughs) interesting ways. It was kind of like on that. Ooh, yeah, that does, that does seem like kind of, kind of right there on it. But anyway, it's always fun to kind of think about some of these things and you know, it is, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I liked the podcast. I didn't like the movie. I thought, uh, yeah, recommend it to the audience who may feel similarly. I hope they never. I uh, hope they never figure out who the Zodiac killer was because I. I don't want to see Mike Murphy's dad's name get run through the mud. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it'll be terrible. A couple films I watched. I'll just mention quickly. Uh, I watched uh, this nice little Sam Elliott vehicle called "The Man Who Killed Hitler" and then "The Bigfoot," which is. <laughs> Something the the title. Oh, comes... that's that's the title of one that's film. The title. Yeah, that's the title okay. of one film. Yeah. Okay. And it's basically Sam Elliott as this uh, war hero who kills Hitler, as they say in the yeah. movie. Sure. And it's not the exploitation film you'd think it is. It's not the uh, weekly world news in the column mm-hmm. with Bat Boy kind of thing. The sensational stuff. It's actually like this really s- slow burn meditation on what it means to be a hero and how useless Sam Elliott's character actually is because he killed Hitler, but it didn't change anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it's, this, when was this made? Uh, I was 2018. Oh, awesome. No, yeah. I'll, no, that sounds, that sounds interesting. I'm, I'm definitely on board for that. You know? Yeah. Was, you know, the, the real hero who killed Hitler was of course Hitler. Like yeah. That was, <laughs> that's like the one good thing Hitler ever did was, you know, put a bullet through his fucking brain, but you know, it's too bad he didn't do it in jail. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In 1924, that would have been preferable. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's basically just this like tour de force. Hey, watch Sam Elliott be awesome and just act and be cool. I, and, I am totally down for watching Sam Elliott be awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Cause he's, he's aged way better at this point than uh, Clint Eastwood has as far as, you know, some of his later work and just watching Sam Elliott here. just, yeah, I could watch this all day. And then it, then it goes on to, he basically gets tasked with killing Bigfoot and, right. and that, and that stuff's good too. Like, and, and it's just a minor part of the movie. Like, you think, oh, it's going to be this big action film about him killing Hitler, and then it's going to move on to this big action thing about him killing Bigfoot. And it's like, no, it's very minor parts of the film, and overall, it's just right. this big character study on, of him. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Samuel is like a fascinating guy. I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you were ever like a Parks and Recreation fan, but he kind of showed up in a little bit of that. He what was he? Uh, so you know the Ron Swanson character who's like yeah. the like kind of ultra libertarian uh you know uber competent uh you know masculine manly man mm-hmm. well at one point all of the kind of characters in the office like meet their counterparts from another town 
And so like, there's like another kind of version, just kind of another person who kind of serves their purpose in another parts and rec department. The other Ron Swanson is also named. I think he's also named Ron Swanson. He's an other Ron, but he's like this vegan hippie, like polyamorous, like, you know, bisexual. I just really love going to the parks and, uh, you know, kind of smoking, smoking some weed and feeling the grass between my toes, man, you know, and he's just also this like totally awesome dude and everything. And, uh, you know, Ron, our Ron Swanson just like hates the fuck out of this guy. But <laughs> Sam Elliott is amazing in that role. I just really want him to just show up every week. You know, it's, it's yeah. just one of those things. Nice. But whenever I think of Sam Elliott, I mean, I know people think like the big Lebowski or whatever, right. but, I, but I'm but i totally on the, no, it's Other Ron. Other Ron is my favorite Sam Elliott, you know, bit part in, in something. So I'm I'm totally down for this. This sounds really interesting. So Nice. The other one to watch, Nicole Kidman in this harrowing fucking Los Angeles crime neo-noir film called Destroyer. This is something <laughs> she she plays this police detective who 17 years ago was tasked in an undercover operation that basically destroyed her life and she's she's is, been like is there a metaphor for marrying tom cruise in here because i'm feeling like there's a metaphor for marrying tom cruise <laughs> well thankfully Nicole Kidman actually is, you know, beautiful and glamorous in real life, whereas she's obviously not destroyed. But where here in this movie, it's like a transformation that's not quite akin to Charlize Theron and Monster, but Mm -hmm. you see her earlier in the film in flashbacks, and then you see her now, and she's obviously this hollowed out mummified version of herself that's just Mm. sort of walking around, and it's like nothing but like hatred and cynicism is kind of like fueling her. She she gets wind of this case that maybe the uh, the team of uh, bank robbers that she infiltrated 17 years ago, maybe the leader of that gang is back and operating in the area. So even though she's not on the case, she sort of goes on the case anyway without telling anybody and starts investigating and starts revisiting all of her old contacts and stuff back in the day. She's got to, you know, like face all these people that she betrayed and lied to because she was pretending to be a criminal in their gang and shit, you know? And then there's this whole backstory about uh, what happened to her partner when the whole operation went bad. And it's just, it's fucking bleak as fuck, man. Like it's, it is not a fun movie to watch at times, but it, it's really good though. It's really, really oh, that good. sounds good. It's funny. Like I so often think about Nicole Kidman as being basically just a, uh, like an ice princess for so long. Like she's mm-hmm. just been so immaculately, you know, well put together to where like, she doesn't seem like she even has pores anymore. Right. And she's just kind of like that person in public. And she's been that for long enough Um, that the idea of like seeing her, you know, like kind of more uh, natural, seeing her more, you know, kind of playing a role again uh, actually sounds really interesting to me. So, you know, that's awesome. She throws, Oh, and this is playing in theaters right now or no, it, was. it might okay. be. Oh, I, I saw it on Put Locker, but um, okay. But yeah, it's it's really fucking good. It's on. It's going to be on my best of list for this year. Awesome. So, so yeah, good stuff. Two two movies to check out. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some podcast promos. We're going to play a little bit of music, and we're going to come back with the Black Klansman. You go through your week with the same old routine. What you really want is some blood and thunder in your life. Well, friend, you found it. The Chromecast is an adventurous journey through the history of two-fisted pulp stories with your hosts, John, Josh, and Luke. We have action, horror, and adventure. 
all through the lens of pulp luminary Robert E. Howard. Don't just stay in your ordinary life. Find your pulp life at thecromcast.blogspot.com. The Cromcast. The Cromcast. The Cromcast. A podcast for the barbarian at heart. Broadcasting from the cursed earth, the psychosemantic cast. Let us face without panic the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off the uh, you know, quitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew it. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. Baby, you wait. 
All right, the Black Klansman, a.k.a. I Cross the Color Line from 1966, directed by Tid V. Michaels, who is probably best known for his even lower budget films after this one. This is like a turning point in his career. This is the last film he did that legit had any sort of budget, I guess. But he's he's best known for the Astro Zombies and the Corpse Grinders and... He did a bunch of other little exploitation films here and there. Near the end of his career, he was making sequels to the Astro Zombies and the Corpse Grinders and some other stuff. Written by Art Names and John T. Wilson. And this is starring Richard Gilden as Jerry Ellsworth, who, by the way, is a white dude playing a very light-skinned black man. He's a white man playing a black man playing a white man. Yeah. It's that this is the levels of subterfuge that this film, you know, (laughs) manages to serve to you yeah uh we have rima kuttner as andrea harry lovejoy as rock max julian as raymond jackie deslande as farley james mckeechan as lonnie maureen gaffney as carol ann and w mcleanard as wallace and I'll go to a quick little, very quick little synopsis of this. Um, not, not even. Uh, there's, there's, there's not, there's not much here. <laughs> no. After a black man's daughter is killed by the KKK, he seeks revenge by becoming a Klansman. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of it. Although there, there are subplots in this. And there, we'll, we'll there are subplots to... that I tried to watch this a few times, mm-hmm. and I kept getting like ten minutes in and kind of. Like, all right, I'm here, I'm on this, and then I just, I, I literally kept losing control of the plot. You know, it was just, yeah. I'm, I'm just, like, I know that there is, like, I don't understand what's going on with the subplots at all. And maybe I just, like, couldn't, like, my brain just would not follow the logic of, of what this film was trying to do. It's sort of interesting. I kept rewatching it going, like, oh, no, I remember this. I just don't know why it's here. <laughs> like, there's, this is the, one of these cases of plainly, showing that there's two movies here and they're yeah, trying to like sh- shove it into one. There's the story of the black clan sort of the black guy who's going in and kind of getting revenge on the clan for killing his daughter. And then there's this other story about this Al- Alabama town that gets invaded by these sort of black radicals from these black radical gangsters or whatever from like New York City or something. Well, what and did, uh, the two plots are supposedly like intersecting. And I'm just, I'm kind of like, I don't, I, I can't follow the twists and turns of it. And it's not, it doesn't even feel like it's that twisty turny. It's just, I just no, can't just, follow it. I just don't know what's, what's happening at any given time. It's, it's very badly put together is the problem. You have the Black Klansman thing, and, and that alone should have been your entire plot, right? It, right? it should have been about him, because there's a lot of meat there, too. You can show their interest in showing, like, the internal politics and the rules of the Klan and all that stuff. Like, that's There's stuff. probably more Klan lore in this than almost any other film I've seen about the Klan. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because they even like define what a clud is and like that sort of thing. I mean, you know, they're, they're and the uh, some of the cross burning stuff seems really like accurate. I mean, it seems like there's some there's some like research that's been done here. There's some effort that goes into it, mm-hmm. um, you know. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, you have that plot and that I mean, I could see a 90 minute movie made out of that. No problem. Then you have this middle part of the film that diverges where the black people in this Alabama town that the black Klansman is coming to, to take his revenge. They have their own story going on where we got to get rid of these clan motherfuckers. So we're going to hire these fucking black gangsters from New Jersey or someplace to come in and help us. And the gangsters have their own way of doing stuff. And they're like, well, you, you, you guys sit back and, 
and we're, we're going to do it our way. And we're going to like, just kill these white people. And they get involved with the girlfriend and the friend of the black Klansman at some point. And that's and they even the get story... him like tied up at one point or something. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, I'm like, what, what's going Like, why are you, what is this? I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know. I I just I just had like a complete. I guess I didn't really miss much. I just no. I don't know why it's here. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's just manufactured drama, really, to try to piece these two narratives together when really it should have been two films. Because I want to see both these films. I want to see the infiltrating the clan, mm-hmm. and I want to see the black community in its in a small Alabama town hiring these black gangsters to fight their war against the racist for them and the consequences of that. That Those are two interesting stories. Well, and I can see, you know, now that I'm kind of piecing together what the plot was supposed to be, I can see sort of a good version of this where it is where you do get that debate about like, you know, you know, where, where our, where our lead here, Richard Gilden could, you know, kind of have the, the moment of like trying to figure out like what his place in this world is, you know, as Mm -hmm. a white passing black man, although, Gilden himself is white, <laughs> yeah. you know, but being able to you kind know, of like pass for white and kind of getting into this organization, you know, but then what's his, you know, role in the larger society? And, you know, should he be kind of more on the side of these kind of, they're not even Black Panthers, they're just gangsters, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, he should he be more, you know, kind of like using their tactics or, you know, like you could see like a really kind of good version of this, you know, coming out of it. It's just, I don't know. It just, it feels like there's just bits missing from the movie. Like there's just stuff that wasn't shot or stuff that got edited out or or whatever. I mean, so how did you watch this? I found this on YouTube. There's two versions on YouTube. There's one Mm -hmm. that runs for an hour, 10 minutes. That's missing 20 minutes of the the movie. Mm -hmm. Then there's one that's split into six parts. And that's the one I watched. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering if you had watched the hour and 10 minute version because, you know, if so, oh, that, <laughs> like, that would be super confusing. I can only imagine what's cut out of that one. Um, mm. This one is on Amazon Prime. So if you're a Prime member, I mean, you can watch this. This is the version that I watched. It looked pretty good. It looked uh, like maybe not the best transfer in the world, but it looked mm-hmm. pretty good. The version I watched on YouTube was pretty clean. It looked all yeah. right. Um, yeah, but yeah, this this film wastes so much of its running time like with this extra plot and, and it's I've, only like an hour 26 it's not even like yeah. a long movie i mean you know um some of the stuff that i liked the best in it actually was him infiltrating the clan him kind of yep. meeting up with the grand wizard guy and you know you know when they learn to trust each other that scene where he like you know gets the gun from the guy and then like later on he ends up like dating the guy's daughter that's so and, weird it's just and like there's a really weird relationship there where she's kind of like sexually liberated and like Oh no, it's fine. You don't have to come back around. We can just, you know, have fun when you're here kind of thing. And, you know, they don't quite do anything with that, but it's kind of fun material anyway, you know? Yeah. No, she, she throws her vagina right at him. Like it's like (laughs) first first scene. Like she just pulls it out and hurls it like right at him. (laughs) And, and I mean, if this was, you know, five years later, and this was a black exploitation film straight up, a central part of the plot you, you kind of feel would be, yeah, not only am I infiltrating your clan and I'm going to kill you, I'm going to fuck your white daughter too, and I'm going to tell you about it later. You know, like it would be like an insult thing. Okay, I apologize to everyone for what I'm about to say. He's infiltrating the clan and your daughter's clam. <laughs> That's what he does, though. That's what he does. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Richard Gilden, he tries, man. I, I, yeah. I'll give him that he tries because they put this... Uh, I think he's wearing... I, I don't know where he's wearing the hair pieces. Is, is the black 
hair, the hair yeah, piece, like the, I guess the... I get well at one point he pulls off the like white hair piece. Right. So maybe and he's wearing so, two. So maybe he maybe in that shot he's wearing a black it... hair like the like the frizzy hair and then on top of that like a toupee. It looks I mean, it looks pretty good considering it does. The, you know the, the hair piece actually gets a credit on, on screen on, <laughs> in the film. <laughs> So it's, I mean, it, that's pretty Insert good. Insert William Shatner joke here, you know. But. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets, but he has, uh, the, the thing that's supposed to clue you into him being black is he's he's got this beatnik fucking chin uh, right, beard going right, on, yep, right? Yep. And so he shaves that off and then he passes for a white man, of course, because he talks just like a white, he, he talks more like a white man than Ron Stallworth did in Black Klansman. <laughs> like, and I mean. Yeah, he just had to throw in a couple of aura. You know, are you sure? Yeah, are you sure? Um, But man, this movie—I think it's got its heart. It's in the right place. Like, no, I I think. I mean, for for '66, and you know, I mean, this is this is the height of the civil rights era. It's when they're making Mm -hmm. this thing too. I mean, you know, the. I mean, it's clearly based on some like real stories from uh, just a couple of years earlier. I mean, there's a root from the headlines feel from this, yeah, um, because it is about like a church bombing, and so it is about uh, what is it, the Sixth Street church bombing, the the four little girls who were who were killed. Well, they show a little um, girl on screen burning, like well, you know, a, yeah. a dummy, but a little right. girl, a little black girl, gets firebombed. Like, yeah, no, 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 it's clearly it's clearly kind of drawing from that. It's also drawing from the uh, from the murders of the uh, of uh, Schwarmer and Cheney. Um, yeah, in, in Mississippi, okay. the um, I mean, it's it's literally like drawing from those events just a couple of years later. I mean, so there is a little bit of a sense of you know, if it was made today, it would literally it wouldn't be set in Charlottesville, but it would have you know tiki torches and blood and soil and all that stuff, you know, like right in the center of the movie. And it would, you know, just be about that. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, I give it credit for for really kind of like leaning into the topicality and not shying away from some of the horror of that. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, it, I think it, I mean, it, it definitely, I mean, as much as that subplot kind of makes no sense to me and as much as I found it hard to follow, uh, the idea of giving like African-American characters like this much screen time and kind of giving them this much agency is also kind of unusual for a film of this mm-hmm. era. Like you actually see like black people arguing amongst themselves yeah, about like kind of the best way to proceed, and that feels uh, kind of ahead of its time in, in some interesting ways. You know, I mean, I, I I hate to think I don't want to call this a bad film at all. I mean, it was kind of dull for me, and it was kind of like kind of poorly constructed. That's the problem. But, yeah, but I think it's 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 trying to do good things, and I think it it succeeds in a lot of ways. I think it it succeeds yeah. at least in some ways. It's just it's just kind of a mixed bag. I mean, you know, it's just yeah. kind of like you know, it, I I would find it hard to recommend somebody like oh yeah, sit down with this and just enjoy it. You know, because I just feel like it's just it's it's a little bit slow. It's a little bit unfocused in terms of what it's doing. It's got a little bit too much going on, but also not enough going on. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that works in this, like, really, really works. Yeah. yeah. If you're just looking for this for uh, exploitation elements, there is some good stuff here for that as well. Just the funny thing, uh, the Jerry Ellsworth character, when he gets back to his hotel room and it's all been rifled through because the the clan leaders checking on him to see if he's legit or whatever Mm -hmm. and then this thug comes in i'm pretty sure that guy was wearing a bald cap so it's kind of funny (laughs) that a bald cap thug is fighting a guy who's wearing a wig i just kind of find possibly possibly two wigs you know yeah (laughs) yeah and man just jerry's grief over his dead daughter when he learns apparently he's just this this layabout guy who doesn't probably hasn't even talked to his daughter in a while because he's just (laughs) like this reporter or whatever in la and he's far removed from that world but so he's been sort of passing as as a white guy 
in L.A. Then he suddenly strangling his white girlfriend. Oh yeah, God no. There's a that that was deeply uh, fucked up right there. I mean, you know, and, and I mean it is. I, you know, again, I kind of say, well, it's trying to portray him as a human being as opposed mm-hmm. to like a saint or whatever. And you know, certainly it's a it's a powerful moment in the film, but it's also like, oh man, why? Why? I'm, Jesus Christ, man! You know? It's like you you, you got to have a little bit of violence against a woman, or it's not going to sell yeah, in the theaters. It, 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 it's the '60s. We beat women here. It's just. Mm-hmm. The, you know, it's just I mean, like, he even even he even goes on like he's, he's like lousy, stinking white bastards, white woman. You know, I, I said the things hearts in its right pay, place, but you know, it definitely pulls the like you know big black hulking brute angry you know character you know bit. And uh, for that to be a white man kind of wearing blackface (laughs) just makes it even worse. And there is another character who I'm pretty fucking sure is wearing blackface because he meets up with his mom. And like that definitely looked a bit like shoe polish to me. <laughs> like, it looks a little suspect, yeah. The black and white photography and this kind of like low fidelity. I mean, it, I'm not saying it was definitely blackface, but it <laughs> sure as fuck looks like blackface to me. It looks know? like she was tanning a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's got that Donald Trump uh, tanning right <laughs> you know, just a little, a little bit extra, you know? This is the best blackface in this film. It's the best. <laughs> it's the greatest. Everyone agrees with me. Uh, I, I will say, like... Uh, when, they're, when they send us their blackface, they're not sending their best. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, look at the things we do on this podcast. Why yeah. does anybody listen to this bullshit? <laughs> so silly. So silly. Um, but I do kind of like that. So his white girlfriend that he throws to the side, you know, <laughs> and anger and all that shit... There's the black best friend mm-hmm. who, and at first it feels like he's frowning on this relationship. And I think he, I think I get why. Like at first it's kind of played, oh, you guy pretending to be fucking white and dating this white girl. I really hate you for that. It's pretty obvious. He's like, no, I just don't like you dating her because you're a dick and I can yeah. treat her way better. And by the end of the film, it feels like, yeah, these two are going off the fuck later. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're going to get two single rooms. And the guy's like, it's two singles. And it's like, yeah, yeah that. That's not going to last very long. I mean, there's there's definitely some chemistry there. I was I was kind of on board with that. So yeah, yeah, I like and she's it. cute. Like I, I mean, she's, she's definitely cute. Yeah, she's uh, this sort of hip, liberated woman for 1966. Yeah, you know, no, definitely. Thing. Yeah, I guess we can't give it necessarily a recommendation, but yeah. I mean, if you <laughs> one more thing I'll mention just about the ending, you know, here mm-hmm. because I'm going to spoil the ending here. Big surprise. We spoil mm-hmm. the ending like almost every time it ends up being like this kind of fist fight, kind of shootout thing between yeah. like the clan wizard and uh, the, the grand wizard and our protagonist. So they've got these two black men who they're about to lynch. And then, you know, all the other clan guys run away, which by the way, is not how you combat the clan. You take them all out, not, yeah, he should have you know, right or at least he should have like he should, you know, you're going to be known in your community now. He should have doxed him or something, you know, but, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, a the uh, the guy, uh, the, the clan wizard, you know, the grand wizard, he gets in the truck and he like drives off, meaning that these two black men just get like slowly hung because you know, and nobody seems to care about that at all. So that's one thing. The other thing is that at one point, our heroes get his hand run over by the truck. Right. And then, like two minutes later, he's just pensively like holding his chin or whatever with it. Dude, no, your hands—you you have been crushed. Yes, you have. Your your hand is now a bowl of soup. You know this, this hanging. This wasn't a, yeah. This wasn't a Dodge Neon that ran over you. This no. was a, a this truck was, made out of real metal. That yeah. 
over you. <laughs> Maybe it was just really muddy and the mud was really soft and it just sort of uh, like, yeah. you know, that's the, that's, that's my just, but it, it was like, I, w- I did have like moments of like that kind of Django feeling of like, right. you know, oh, they're going to like, you know, break his hands or whatever. And then like two minutes later, it's like, that's ah, fine. At least Django sold his injuries. He used his, basically his flipper hands, one to do the, the, the fucking hammer on the right. gun and the other, one to, yeah, pull the trigger or whatever. But yeah. And it's funny because he does switch hands with the gun. Right, he gets it, mm-hmm. but then it comes back to a shot of him holding the gun in the in the obviously broken, destroyed hand. So it's right, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it turns out this was a Superman origin story the whole time. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, black Superman, I guess. A white black Superman. <laughs> yeah, 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 that uh, Superman in this universe doesn't wear glasses; he wears a wig. <laughs> yeah. and how, how about the uh, theme song for this, by the way? Oh yeah, that's. A, <laughs> I hope I hope you give the audience here a little bit of a taste of that because oh, that's going to be at the end of the episode, definitely. Okay, awesome. Yeah, how many of the like fucking westerns made around this time, or you know, even like ten or twenty years earlier, basically did the same fucking thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're just going to tell the story of the movie and the song, and then the song becomes well, like a huge hit. Yeah, and it I does. Mean, this a... is this is a little bit late for that, you know, but it definitely, you know, it just kind of felt like that to me. It's kind of a lesson that like later black exploitation kind of really did learn from from Hollywood, white Hollywood back in the fifties, and this is kind of like proto black exploitation. So maybe they take some cues from this as well. Perhaps mm-hmm. the idea of whatever music you're hearing on the soundtrack at the time is explaining what the plot is to the people, like, <laughs> you know. And and this one basically explains the entire plot. It's like. The Ku Klux Klan killed my little girl, and you know, now I'm going to become the Black Klansman. And it's, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's unfortunately a little too upbeat. Like it's yeah. kind of like, <laughs> but I mean, like, they were also trying to like make these songs hits. Like they were trying to like yeah. make them radio hits and everything, you know, during the during that era. So I mean, there is, yeah, some of these things. I mean, even even like High Noon, you know, kind of kind of mm-hmm. does that. That kind of does that same thing. And so it's it's yeah, no, it's 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 a thing. But uh, it's. It's fun. <laughs> you just expected, and then the truck ran over my hand. <laughs> but I was shooting two minutes later. I'm going to kill that ex- fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> I shot the exalted Cyclops dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this time I'm not talking about my penis. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fucking budget or no. But there's there's, there's, there's very difficult to get information on this. So you know. yeah, uh, and also the DVD is equally difficult to get because the only DVD release for this is from Code Red, which is a very small time uh, sort of boutique uh, DVD uh, company. And if you want to find their DVD from 2011, just go on to fucking eBay and look at the prices. <laughs> You'll be paying upwards of one hundred and twenty dollars, and that's that's uh, being generous. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how it goes. Yeah, so the YouTube broken into six parts. Just do it that way if you if you're yeah. desperate enough to watch this. Yeah. yeah, or again, it's on it's it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. I have no idea how long that rights situation is going to last. I imagine this is one of those cheapy. Uh, you know, they 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 pulled from the the digital copy, and it's just going to kind of be there. But right. All right, uh, we'll play a little bit of music and we'll be back with Tick, Tick, Tick. You looked upon the city as it crumbled neath the dead. 
Watch the golden valleys as they turn to crimson red From the blood of fellow men And yet you turned your head And not in all the tears for which you cried Had a single tear been shed, really shed Let's give love just another try For it's too late Getting time we've found a little peace Instead of hate It took a million years to complicate simplicity When brotherhood's as simple as to start with you and me When brotherhood's as simple as to start with you and me Set yourself free Walk with me Okay, tick, tick, tick from 1970. That's my calendar's allowed. This is your last day in office. You out on your keister tomorrow noon. How's it feel having a nigga take your job? Welcome to Calusa County, where the world hasn't changed in a hundred years. Until today. John, what the devil's going on? I don't know, Mayor. I'm not your sheriff anymore. I was voted out of office because I've been a bad sheriff. 
I was voted up because I ain't colored. Welcome to the Calusa County Jail, Sambo. You tell it like it is, Hunky. You white folks, nigga! Anything happens to this colored boy, we'll have to wash and pick the booze all over Calusa County by sundown. I'm the sheriff. Not the white sheriff, not the black sheriff, not the soul sheriff, but the sheriff. Down in Calusa, white folks say Jim Price doesn't know his place. But he does. It's behind the sheriff's badge. I have to do my own job, Mr. Little. I don't want anybody to do it for me. You know I'm like a time bomb in this jail. That nigga's got a white man locked up in jail. Give me the keys to my son's cell. Am I supposed to release that boy to them? We're releasing no prisoner in any rope or county mob. <laughs> Here they come! This is what happens in a southern town when law and order is in the hands of a black man. Jim Brown, George Kennedy, Frederick March. Tick, tick, tick. And a town turns into a time bomb. The most unfortunately named movie I've seen in a while. Like, if they had like an alternate title somewhere that they could have used, I think this movie deserves a lot better. <laughs> than yeah, TikTok. it's it's a pretty terrible title, but I imagine it played pretty well in 1970. And uh, I imagine the poster was was really uh, oh. you know striking and sort of you know it played up to that like sort of sense of uh, you know kind of racial tension pretty well but uh does not really describe this film i kept expecting a bomb plot to show up somewhere you know yeah. <laughs> i, I was like does. they're new york city cops one black one white terrorist yeah. that's a bomb like that that's kind of where i thought this film was gonna go at some point but no 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 it didn't do that at all so yeah uh well but well we'll get into it uh director ralph nelson requiem for heavyweight is the one that jumped out uh for me on on his resume from 1962 uh he did a lot of other stuff of course but that that's kind of a biggie um oh, charlie is his too charlie yeah yeah, yeah. i had to read that in high school <laughs> yeah i i have I, oh and he also did a movie called soldier blue which has been on my kind of short list to cover i've seen point. that i've seen that pop up yeah, yeah no i've I, I it's popped up in my research and when we were doing some other films and uh, when i saw he did that one i was like oh well that just justifies us you know <laughs> having to cover yeah. it at some point i've just seen it too many times now to uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think it's streaming anywhere, which is the only reason I haven't like put it on the, put it on the immediate list. Maybe Rare Lust has it. No, nah, I couldn't find it on Rare Lust. Anyway, oh. we don't. This is behind the scenes bullshit. Like the audience <laughs> doesn't need to hear this right now. <laughs> Writer James Lee Barrett, who is you did in the heat of the night, uh, did Smoking the Bandit from 1977, and unfortunately did the Green Berets from 1968, which is one of the worst pieces of shit propaganda films ever made. Nice. <laughs> With, with John Wayne basically saying the Vietnam war is really good guys. And all you liberal journalists trying to like poo poo on our imperialism is, uh, you know, you're, you're ruining America <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Pretty um, much. yeah. So this is starring. Like, what, what if Patton, but less subtle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is starring uh, the great Jim Brown, a former football star, became a big black exploitation actor as Jim Price, the fucking amazing George Kennedy as John Little, Frederick March, who is fucking Hollywood royalty, um, mm-hmm. inherits the wind, anybody? Uh, yep. 
among a million other things, is Mayor Jeff Parks. Lynn Carlin is Julia Little. Don Stroud is uh, Benji Springer. Don Stroud was in fucking Inglorious uh, Bastards. Or no, Django Unchained. Oh, was he, he really? Yeah, he was the uh, sheriff they kill. The first sheriff they kill oh, in that town. Oh, yes. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Yeah, that's he's, awesome. He's, he's still got that fucking nose and that sort of leering little stare to him, even in old age. It's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jenna McLaughlin as Mary Price. Uh, Richard Elkins as Bradford Wilkes. Clifton James as DJ Rankin. Fucking Bob Random from Other Side of the Wind here in an earlier role as uh, John Braddock. That, that, was, that popped out at me. I was like, holy shit, what, how oh, do I know that name? We did yeah, we didn't even plan that shit, and it just happened. Um, no. Well, you know, apparently when you do a bunch of films from around the same time, you run into actors over again. Yeah. Weird how that happens. Yeah, shut up. Um, <laughs> Mills Watson is Well, Joe. it's almost as if this was made around the same time that Other Side of the Wind was. I don't know. <laughs> what a shock. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not like he did a lot of stuff. No, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, it's, it's... Mills Watson as Joe Warren and Bernie Casey as George Harley. Revenge of the Nerds, Bernie Casey. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and many other things. Yes, yes, uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Come on, because we and... covered that one, so we might as well just bring in all of our old episodes. You know, like go go back and listen to them all twice. Exactly. Yes. So synopsis here from someone called Louis Carvacho <clears throat> says, this is the story of a black man who's been elected sheriff in a U.S. Southern County due to the vote of blacks. He re- receives a huge amount of hostility from the non-tolerant white establishment, making his job very hard. The white former sheriff has his own struggle as he balances his devotion to the law with his family and community relations. Things come to head when the black sheriff puts a white man, the son of a wealthy landowner of a neighboring county, in jail, and his daddy comes after him. Everyone around him has to decide where their values really lie. And, yeah, I guess that kind of explains the yeah. plot. Yeah, pretty well. Yeah, uh, but what did you think of this one, Dan? I really like this. I, mm-hmm. I think this is really well done. I was kind of expecting, kind of going into it, uh, you know, kind of a exploitation kind of kind of fun action right. adventure kind of thing this is much more i mean you know it's it's sacrilege maybe i mean i think it might even be better than in the heat of the night honestly you know in terms of you know telling um th- this this kind of story i'm sorry oh cl- yeah 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 um I it was very close this is uh this is possibly on my best of the year list um it's on mine you know it's uh you know we'll, we'll have to see kind of what other good stuff happens between now and then, you know? I'm already but, uh, getting too much good stuff. Like my list I know, it's, that's kind of the problem we've, we've, we've hit this year. We've actually, you know, it's funny when we actually watch good movies, we suddenly, <laughs> you know, our best of the year list gets harder. Yeah, no, I really, I really enjoyed this. I was kind of joking around about like, I was kind of expecting like a pot boiler about like some, some bomb going off or something, you know? Right. A lot of times when I get these recommendations, I try to like, I mean, I, I, I like going in a little bit blind and just kind of hit play on the movie and see what it does, you know, as opposed to kind of, you know, watch the trailer ahead of time and kind of read this. And you know, I, I like to just kind of sit down and watch it. This really, um, I was struck by how good the performances are. I was struck by you know how everyone in the film does have you know kind of a chance to breathe. There is there there is some really nice character work that's been done here. I like the um, slightly smaller stakes here. 
I like the fact that, I mean, essentially the, the basic thrust of the plot is, I mean, you know, you don't even really get to like the central like conflict until more than a halfway through the film, you know, the last half hour, really the last half hour, really. I mean, you know, but I mean, basically there's just like, Oh, we got a bad car accident. You better come in here. And then, you know, it's really obvious kind of what happens. Then it turns out, Oh, this, this is the son of some big wig in the County next door or whatever. Who's going to come after him, you know, break him out of jail, essentially. Um, it turns into uh, Rio Bravo in the last 30 minutes, basically. Yeah, it does. And, uh, and then, it, and then it's really just, I mean, God, I mean that high noon connection that, you know, because it yeah. really is, you know, about like this guy trying to go around and, you know, finding a way to, you know, kind of get the community to support him. And where high noon kind of is like telling the story of the sheriff who is disgusted by his profession because, you know, <laughs> uh, officially in the film, the yeah. townspeople will not uh, support him because they're all a bunch of cowards. But as I think we discussed in our episode on high our noon, narrative that they, he's they, a shitty person, he's just kind of a shitty person and they don't want to get involved in his, you know, girlfriend drama or whatever mm-hmm. um, you know uh, but in this film it's it's about like the community kind of kind of coming together and you get you know kind of well they're over racist dick bag clan guys you know mm-hmm. are, are effective clan guys who go up against kind of a, a shaky but you know kind of multiracial coalition I, it's kind of amazing at doing that i mean it really i mean it was really effective in the way that it tells this story i mean anytime you make a a, a cop a hero in my book you know and Certainly from 2019 standards. I mean, you know, like there's, I think we need to be very suspicious of any narrative like that. Also, um, you know, when it's, oh, the old cop is definitely not a racist. And I mean, you know, he is portrayed as not a racist. Oh, and the mayor also not racist. Yeah, he's just a cool guy. He's just like he's totally wanting to be there, uh, you know, with the with the, with this new. Uh, he really wants to support. Like this is not the experience that like African Americans had when no. they entered um, these kinds of uh, situations for the first time. Uh, Blazing Saddles, much more accurate. But um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one th- that's one thing about Blazing Saddles gets right. Everybody was horrifyingly racist. <laughs> that, well, was, that was that I mean, was true. You know, I mean, leave it leave it up to a Jew to actually you know actually know what horrifying racism actually is, and, <laughs> right? Yeah, to, to, while also depicting a bit of it himself. You know, it's yeah, just, uh, you know, but um, no, no, I, I thought this was really well done. I think it I, yeah it was an hour thirty seven minutes long. It it doesn't waste a minute of that. It's got um, one really nice chase sequence that I I thought was really enjoyable, kind of in the middle mm-hmm. of the film. If the guy is supposed to be as drunk as we kind of think he is, I, I doubt that he, he he seems a little bit too athletic <laughs> in that moment. To uh, you know, he's well, a little bit too coordinated. But maybe he wasn't he wasn't all that drunk to begin with. So who knows? Uh, he might be on something else too. You know, yeah, whatever. Great to see. Uh, I mean, Jim Brown. I mean, you know, it's no shocker that you know former like NFL guy Jim Brown can run like the wind there's there are a couple of shots of him running that are just like oh my like that is phenomenal you know you can uh you can kind of see it, it, it also plays into the narrative of the film of how intimidated and spooked uh <laughs> forgive that that term <laughs> I just used. I, I, I was not a pun um <laughs> oh well you know lee call a spade a spade that's just, yeah yeah know. But but to, to to see how dumbfounded and afraid the sort of white community is by him because he's this big hulking muscular dude, no one's going to fuck with him overtly. They're not going to fuck with him. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm kind of amazed when people do like try to fuck with him, and it's like, oh, oh this is Jim Brown, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you know. And yet he's kind of like he knows he has to kind of keep the peace. He knows he has to. I mean, he he's not unwilling to use 
force if he has to. But um, so much of what he does is just trying to de-escalate and just trying to be the yep. kind of like sane, reasonable, collected kind of guy, you know, like keep us cool all the time. And I mean, it does, um, you know, when we did um, the Spike Lee Black Klansman, they kind of, you know, it's like, well, what would you do if, you know, a white officer called you the N-word or whatever? And, you know, what? how do you, how would you respond to that? And, you know, it's he's got to kind of keep us cool. And this is, you know, a film made, a, you know, in the period that's like showing that same phenomenon. And that's, that's kind of tone policing and it's kind of, you know, I mean, obviously there are whole conversations around that, but um, I think it's really well, I think it's really well executed here. And I think that you can have, you know, kind of, questions about the way that the film kind of treats the the, the police and the kind of the value of the, of the police in the situation but also really respected as sort of a you know i don't want to say realistic but certainly a plausible kind of story of like what this yeah. one guy might have gone through you know yeah i think going back to our conversation on black Klansmen um <clears throat> in the previous episode this definitely takes the side of working within the system to change yeah. the system mm-hmm. um so Jim Brown is definitely totally on, like he, he comes from a military police background in the film. Mm-hmm. So he already knows how to work. I mean, it's not like black soldiers, even in the 1970s, were getting all that much respect, you know? So, yeah. um, I mean, they were just dying in Vietnam. That was the, yeah, you know, I mean, that was the exactly. whole phenomenon yeah. there, you know? So yeah, just go, did, let's just, let's just pile your corpses into rice patties. Like that's the, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. essentially the role of, african-americans and you know <laughs> yeah basically this is an example of the sort of turning tides of the civil rights movement depicted on film where the blacks apparently come out in record numbers to vote in a new sheriff mm-hmm. and and this would have been like pretty much immediately after the the civil rights era mm-hmm. like the vote the, the voting rights act and all that you know and so this is suddenly like no this this is sort of the the tale of the end of jim crow yeah. and, and um you- you see this like this town full of oh man the way this film depicts heat is like on par with stray dog oh yeah definitely <laughs> like, i mean the opening scene is is a bet over whether they can fry an egg on the on the pavement <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's it's great and fucking so there's all these sweaty lazy southern rednecks who are just looking around and you know half of them didn't vote at all like they just they <laughs> they probably didn't bother to vote they were just apathetic like they they didn't come out and vote because they figured oh fuck this is the system this is the way it's going to be little's going to be reinstated as sheriff and everything's going to be status quo it's going to be fine yep. and no the, the black vote comes out and they get a black sheriff in there and all of a sudden, the entire community is thrown on top of its head. Like, it's just turned over. Yep. I think George Kennedy is fucking amazing in this. This oh, is like yeah. an Oscar-worthy fucking performance, I think. It's this, like, decent man who has, you know... he, he he's, a, he's also one of these townspeople. He's one of these apathetic guys who's sort of been lazing about, this is the system, and this is the way it's always going to be. But he finds himself voted out, and he's suddenly pulled between the racism in this county and doing the right thing. Many of the whites who once supported him, now they look at him as like a quitter and a traitor and a coward. His, and I mean, initially through the film, it's it's a very much his story where it's like his ego is hurt, and he doesn't understand like his own place in the, the sort of system that sort of kept black people down. Mm-hmm. And it's very much about him like kind of owning up to the fact that, yeah, I was a part of this and I shouldn't have been. And he becomes a better, better person by the end of it. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, and, I don't know, like how much of that is, is, you know, do you think 
in the film because I, I don't, I, I mean, I see him as being kind of like, it's definitely true. I mean, you know, like it's just true by definition. I mean, you know, you know, I, I see him more as like, not like kind of questioning his own role as much as just like trying to, you know, kind of like more of a personal, when he loses the election, like he kind of wants to be magnanimous and he wants to kind of be the bigger man and he wants to shake his hand and kind of show him around the office. And then he says, when I was confronted with him, I just, I just couldn't. And I just, and I just kind of walked away. And that's, you could say like some, some racial animus there, but I think that's also just, you know, there's definitely sort of a racial resentment there, but I mean, I don't know that that's a, you know, that's just, you know, I, I had this nice job and I was really, I thought I was doing a really good job at it. And then suddenly I get kicked out for reasons that you know aren't really under my control at all. Oh, you know? I mean his, I mean his pride yeah. is hurt, and, and at first he makes excuses because the the first excuse he tells his wife is I got I didn't get voted out because I was bad at my job. I got voted out because I wasn't a black guy. Like yeah. that, that's the first excuse he makes, and then his <laughs> wife laughs at him, and he realizes how fucking stupid he sounds saying that. Saying <laughs> right. Like he, he he realizes like his wife basically is the other the voice in his head basically telling him you know. No, you're you're an idiot. Shut up. And <laughs> and of course later on she ends up being the one like telling him not to go and do a certain <clears throat> thing because, you know, oh, they're going to call you an inward lover, you know, and you know, like it's it's it kind of gets, you know, the complicated, you know, complicated interpersonal dynamic there, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, like I want you to not be an open bigot, but like I mean, there are limits here, you know. Yeah, you but can't I go mean, and, you can't go and like now be that guy's deputy because you know like that's just that just doesn't look right. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, I mean, deep down, he's he's a decent guy and he's not overtly a racist, but he has bought into the society where yeah. black people are treated as second class citizens, and he learns to accept that he was wrong to do that, and he sort of faces his own prejudice mm-hmm. uh, and and becomes a better person for it, which is pretty interesting to see in a movie around this time and i think also the mayor character uh frederick march uh mm-hmm. is jeff hartz i, I love this so character. much fun he was so I, much fun in this film so matter of fact like he, he says everything he's thinking he doesn't care for bullshit so he's just oh no you're a fucking asshole and i'm gonna tell you right to your face you're a fucking asshole mm-hmm. uh and i love I, how i love how he he smokes secondhand worm-eaten cigars yeah <laughs> It's like what the fuck? It's just a nice little character thing. That's, yeah, but he also, like, I mean, this guy's got a tattered, uh, fucking Confederate flag over his mantelpiece. Mm-hmm. But even he realizes this shit's done. Yeah. We have to move on, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, so, no, that felt like it, like an actual battle flag or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. That felt like a, a a piece of legitimate history. And I mean, you know that. But this this time is over. We've got to, you know, we've got to kind of move on. And I mean, you know. A mayor of a small southern town around this time, like, is nowhere near that decent a human being. But you do, I mean, you do, when you look at the history of, of the civil rights era, you do find some people who, you know, did kind of turn on a dime and just sort of like, uh, like it was explained to them, like, how bad these things really were. And they did, you know, legitimately make strides and, and make the world a better place, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not unheard of. It's just, it just kind of feels a little implausible, but you know, yeah, that's the thing. Like <clears throat> if, if one thing I'd say about this film, that's kind of a detraction from it is there, there is a pretty big blanket of sort of naivete on it, yeah. you know, overall, like it, it's a little too, a little too positive at the end. Like, I mean, he's hinted at one guy who's the sort of town leader who's hinted at being like a clan member. Right. He comes to the side of the black sheriff, I think, <clears throat> which is yeah. like, I don't buy that. 
for a second. So either he wasn't actually involved with the clan or he's X clan and he's not involved anymore. Or it's just like well, that's well, the convenience yeah. of the plot. So, some like, of these, some of these guys also, you know, just sort of. I mean, you know, by the time after 1965, you know, the the murder of those three civil rights workers and then kind of the passing of the Civil Rights Act. I mean, you know, the Klan itself became like deeply unpopular for like basically mm-hmm. the rest of till today. The Klan is still not like a a popular institution. I mean, there's a little bit of resurgence in the 70s, but that's more you know kind of the suit and tie Klan. That's kind of more the David Duke. We're right. not actually going to wear the robes we're just going to kind of like call ourselves this thing but i mean the reality is that the sort of the the optics of that just kind of died and i mean a lot of these guys i mean they did kind of get with the program because you know like well if we can't you know if you can't beat them join them kind of thing and and just Mm kind of like it it didn't necessarily kind of change their views you know on the inside but you know we're we're willing to kind of you know, they knew which side of the bread there there was buttered, you know, <laughs> like so. The movie kind of places, like, it doesn't really put a judgment on the guy. It just, it's mm. just, no, it becomes like a county against county thing. Yeah. We'll get these fuckers from the other county out of our county. Like, they're not going to mess with our, they're not going to mess with well, our black boys. That's the, those are the overtly racist people, and we can just be covertly racist. Mm-hmm. And just sort of, you know, and, and, and that's kind of another dynamic that, that's kind of going on in these things. And I mean, the reality is you know, if we're, <laughs> there are a whole bunch of racist people in this country and, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of that shit going on. And, you know, if we're all gonna, you know, live together and try to like share some, some government and like share some resources, you know, like to a, to a certain point, you got to kind of shrug your shoulders and say, okay, we're, we're good enough for now, you know? And, yeah. and I think that that's a, it would be nice if everyone would be like super 100% woke all the time, but also like, you know, like, you know, and I think that that's the thing with working within the system. And, and I think that's the thing that like Jim Brown's character just kind of realizes is like, you don't have to like me. I mean, the white people in this town do not have to like me. They can be racist, but they are going to respect me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to be the, you know, I'm going to be the sheriff for all of the townspeople and not, you know, because that's the thing with Bernie Casey's character with uh, George Harley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's a writer, there's a political science writer that I that I follow who, who kind of like tracks the uh, uh, the far right named George Hawley with a with a uh, W not an R. And so I kept thinking of this guy every time we saw George Harley. Anyway, Bernie Casey's character, you know, is like, well, now we're going to be on top and and we're going to, you know beat down the white guys. I mean, it is kind of that, like, you know, the Killmonger kind of character and, you know, and, and Black Panther, right, Black and that Panther, kind of concept. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, yeah, not to, not to bring it back to kind of, sort of that sci fantasy kind of thing, but I mean, that the, the fact that this kind of debate was very real at the time of, you know, like, well, now that we're, you know, that we've got some authority, you know, what's the, what's the role of this, you know, and, and what, what do we do about it now? And I mean, that's definitely something that the, the film is kind of playing with. Yeah, well, I mean, Jim Brown finds himself with the black community in the same position that uh, uh, George Kennedy does, where it's as soon as he becomes sheriff and the blacks are like, okay, let, let's let's go after this, uh, let's go after this white guy and kill him for his crimes or whatever, you know, let's let's get him. And he's like, no, we got to stand down, we got to we got to go by the rule of law. And it's like, oh, you fucking dog of the white man, basically. Thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, no, they pretty much use that term. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and then and later I mean, on when, um, when there's a rape reported, when Bernie Casey gets accused of rape and he has to kind of go after, he has to go after him and it's, you can't just rape 15 year old girls and, yeah. you know, get away with it. Like I, it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to turn a blind eye to that. And I, and I think that's a, uh, you know, a kind of interesting character dynamic. It's a shame that that never, that never really come back. I mean, it's just sort of like yeah. a little, a little brief subplot. I mean, I, it's a, the only thing I can, again, kind of 
to to make the sort of like the more black radical character you know the kind of the guy who's you know moron we we're gonna get justice for ourselves and then just kind of also well yeah but he's also like a rapist so clearly he's a bad guy too you know does it, mm. it is kind of putting its uh, thumb on that scale a little bit too hard because while yeah. i disagree with that kind of point of view i think that you know you don't have to literally make him like a child murderer or rapist to sell that right you know yeah because you know uh, early on he <clears throat> He uh, applies to become one of uh, one of the deputies. Deputies, yeah, yeah. and then, and he's like, "I'm not going to make you a deputy because you're you're looking to to get this badge just so you can beat on white people. Like that's all you're looking to do, you know." And I mean, the deputies that George Kennedy have has before he retires uh, or you know is taken out of his position, they're pretty much the same. They're like they're they're there to abuse their power. Uh, the guy who's sitting on the highway there just looking to pull over anyone coming in from New York basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and the other guy who ends up being the the ending villain, like the secondary prote- uh, antagonist at the end of the film, who's like this crack shot who's just looking for an excuse to shoot somebody. I mean, he even makes a stink early on that he's still carrying his gun after he becomes uh, de-deputized. And he's like, I dare that black sheriff to come into this pool hall and try to take my gun from me kind of shit, you know? Yep, yep. And then George Ken- Kennedy hears that, and he t- he takes care of that situation uh, in a, you know, nice way. I, I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, like, kind of pretty cleverly done, you know, a way to, that without uh kind of robbing the authority of the sheriff but also uh you know kind of taking care of a situation and i mean and this is this is also like the fact that you know george kennedy's character walks away without really kind of like leading in that kind of institutional knowledge I mean, the thing is that you know he's been the sheriff for a while he knows everybody he knows all the you know the history of the townsfolk jim brown's character doesn't have that information kind of coming mm-hmm. in and um you know it's 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 a detriment but that's not a detriment because like jim brown is not like a good sheriff necessarily it's just a marker of this is just the transition of power and this is just sort of yeah. the way that these things go and you know ultimately you know we're all supposed to kind of work together in terms of you know making sure that you know justice prevails <laughs> regardless of yeah. how we feel about you know kind of individuals or whatever so um yeah it's it's good though like george kennedy at the end he becomes his deputy and after he stops being sheriff he's he's looking at not having a career like he's in dire mm-hmm. straits he's he's always kind of expected this is the way it's always going to be i'm always going to be elected sheriff and i can retire you know comfortably but that he finds himself like a you know 40-ish 50-ish year old dude sitting here at the end of his career all of a sudden without much savings and no prospects to become anything else because he, he tries to apply for like the highway patrol and it's like all they're hiring is like 20 year old guys you know like uh, i mean there there is a little bit of like the reality is like a beloved sheriff who you know got who gets uh you know who loses an election and you know he goes off in a private practice somewhere he he like probably you know, he, he because he he runs a security company or something, you know, and that's just well, yeah. He's a, you know. they, they show like there's this little comedic <clears throat> part of his home life that's shown where he's just like <laughs> perpetually bored because uh, he immediately he does every chore that needs to be done around the house in one day, basically. Right? Yeah. His <laughs> wife is like, "Oh, there's a you know, there's this uh, you know, the, the there's a gutter that needs to be nailed up. I took care of that. Oh, there's a." There's a squeaky hinge, and like, oh, I did that yesterday too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just he's just kind of he just takes care of everything, and then he's just like now I'm just like bored of of life. I just don't have you know. And he just goes fishing. I love yeah. that you know even when um 
<laughs> even in that like kind of big action scene that we mentioned earlier when he finally like catches up with the guy it's like george kennedy's like out there fishing yeah you know? <laughs> like well that's convenient yeah <laughs> jim brown's like, like a- here hold my gun and like yeah. dives in after it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice that nice that it, this guy was here and not you know some other asshole <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I really like this one. I think yeah. this is fucking great. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of I mean we've kind of we've kind of covered it. I, I don't know. I mean mm-hmm. there's a whole lot else to it. Really well done. Lots of great performances. See it definitely. Thank you yeah. for uh, thank thanks to the uh, to the listener for uh, recommending it. And yeah, Jeff sure. Williams uh, yeah. recommended this one. Uh, great pick for yeah. once. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, I'm kidding. His, I'm kidding. His I'm fucking kidding. taste is great. Uh, no, no, every, I, everything I, he suggests is interesting. So, no, I, I'm just fucking around. It's fine. No, yeah, no. we. I do have box office on this, at least a fraction awesome. of it. Uh, awesome. bo- box office for U.S. Canada rentals. So I assume that's like theater rentals was yep. two point one million, and it must it must have done way better than that overall. So I mean, this one must have been at least some sort of success. I, I can't see yeah, it no, this, too this, much. this feels like, this feels like a, something that, that probably was it. It made its money back at least. I mean, probably not like a huge blockbuster hit, but uh, mm-hmm. also feels like, uh, you know, this, this kind of topical, I mean, it's able to be sort of a topical movie and be uh, kind of commercially, you know, accessible at the same time, which is always right. kind of a challenge, you know, so. DVD info Warner Home Video in 2012 released a DVD and that's basically it for this. I downloaded this from Rare Lust. Uh, oh, Rare yeah. Lust had it. Okay, no, I didn't even check the. Um, again, if you if you, I, I do try to like buy these or rent them, you mm-hmm. know, on on just to particularly the the more obscure titles. I feel like the more people like uh, I'll pay the three bucks and you know like have it for a day and it'll be. You know, it'll be fine. Uh, not that I really like giving Amazon like too much more of my money, but I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to, uh, to sort of like you know put a little bit of money where where my tastes are, and you know to try to you know put that in a metric somewhere. Um, but no, this is if you if you have the uh, the brown sugar, I think is what it's called, um, uh, like channel subscription mm-hmm. on uh, Amazon. It's like uh, you know I I did the like seven day free trial, and it's like four ninety nine a month after that or something. Um, and it's got like a bunch of, I mean, it's got a bunch of the black exploitation stuff from what I looked at, but, um, it is like included with that. So I, I just did that. And, uh, so yeah, no, that's how, so if you do, if you are looking for the legit way to see it, that's a way to see it. Nice. So yeah, uh, next week we're going to be looking at Isaac Hayes in truck Turner, which is, uh, I think going to be fun We're we're going to go back to some, uh, Real exploitation. Uh, <laughs> this is this one's full of blood. It's full of uh, violence and sex and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, awesome, yeah, and uh, killer soundtrack as well. Um, so, Daniel, where can people find you on the interwebs? Well, you can find me uh, on the internet. I am at Daniel Lee Harper on Twitter. Uh, I do have a couple of other podcasts. Well, you know, one kind of big one that's, that's kind of going right now. Um, I don't speak German, where I talk about the worst people in the English-speaking world with our buddy Jack Graham. Um, I think a lot of the people that are listening to this have already kind of heard me talk about it, so I'll kind of leave it at that. But uh, you can check me out there. And um, I also uh, recorded uh, this afternoon before uh, we got down here. I did record an episode of the uh, Psycho Semantic Cast or the Psycho Semantic Podcast. I don't know which what what he calls it, but uh, he changes Wilson, every week. He changes it all the time. So you know, anyway, no, I did. Uh, I did record an episode on the. Uh, 1998 film Pleasantville, which was a fun conversation. Um, I think he was really happy with that, and uh, uh, he says it's going to be out kind of end of uh, February, early March. So nice. you know, we got a, we got a little bit of time before that gets released. But um, 
keep an eye out for it. And once it shows up, I'll, I'll make sure to plug it again. So, yeah, and uh, I'll just for the fuck of it in the uh, show notes, I'll throw a link to Psychic Semantic Cast anyway, just because Darren Wilson's awesome and yeah. he has a great podcast. So yeah, that, that is. I, I've been listening. I, I went through some of the archives on that in the last uh, like week or so, and that's that's a really fun podcast. So you know. mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find our Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Facebook links. Join the Facebook group if you want to find out what's coming up on the podcast and talk with some like-minded people who, you know, we don't have a massive community like some podcasts, but we do have a really cool community. No assholes, no dicks, just some fun little conversations every once in a while pops up and some movie recommendations and stuff yeah. like that. So. It's it's uh, a, it's a fun place to hang out, and uh, we recommend uh, we we like it when people comment more. So mm-hmm. come in, and if you got something you want to say to us, then uh, that's a good place to do it. Other than besides YouTube comments, that's as far as I was about like, to say. Know, it's like get us away from the YouTube comments. Make more comments in the Facebook group, so I can read those because the people who make the comments in the Facebook group are actually intelligent and know what they're fucking talking about. Other than the clueless little children who walk into the theater halfway through the movie and make a fucking comment on the YouTube fucking versions of her fucking podcast, the fucking idiots. You have no comment for that. (laughs) (laughs) You see Lee goes through and like collates all these comments every week. I just kind of listen to Lee talk about it. And then I just make a snarky (laughs) comment, but Lee actually has to follow this stuff. And uh, you know, I, I feel, uh, I feel for him. We should all feel for Lee in this. So that's so. If you really want to feel for us, donate to our Patreon. Oh no, we don't have one. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I do have a Patreon, and if you want to donate to it, you can. But you know, yeah, um, donate to Daniel's Patreon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I just you know. realized I was just looking at you in the monitor. You've got that same like chin beard that the uh, that the protagonist of uh, the Black Klansman did at the beginning. You well, know? So Daniel, if you were to if you were to get just just you get the you get a wig. And uh, you could definitely uh, infiltrate the clan. Is well, Daniel, if you didn't know, I'm one thirty second Cherokee. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, the, yeah, no. I, I think I might have some Micmac uh, uh, blood in me somewhere in my family, but it's yeah. mostly Irish and Scottish. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what what my exact thing is like. But like every person in like you know the the in North America is told like you know or at least in, in you know in the English in um the United States and Canada I think it's told like oh yeah we've got a Native American ancestor a few generations back and I mean it's really not nearly as true as often as like you know we call is as it's claimed to be you know it's 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 sort of like one of those like it's it's a way of like justifying i think the genocide like oh no we've got a yeah. sister back there you know that's a, yeah of course we all just you know, no 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 uh, all those people were murdered by disease and muskets so you know, our rifles like it was it was fine you know yeah i'm a, I'm a, I'm a li- i'm a lily white person and i have no fucking pride in that let's just leave it at yeah. that. <laughs> fair enough fair yeah enough. so uh thank you everyone for listening thank you Dan, this, for joining this is me. a podcast that doesn't always go to genocide but um sometimes we just throw it in at the end you know yeah it's it's one of our constant asides i think yeah you like know, like you know, we're going to do sex comedies next time. We're going to be like, yeah, and then our boobs were great. And also genocide, a little genocide, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, some stereotypical Asian character in a 1980s sex comedy. By the way, the Japanese killed this many Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's really hammer that point through. Oh, by the way, titties. But yeah, that Japanese mm. character, 
He's he's indicative of the Japanese imperialist system that killed millions of Koreans. And <laughs> oh look, ginger rapist has a van. Speaking of rape, have you heard about the rape of Dan King? Because that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> okay, we're done. Good, we're done. Here, Cheers. <laughs> You've been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>